0: evening, and as the sinister sci-fi music fades out, we come blundering in. Welcome to episode 7 of Piercing the Veil, with me, Robin Pierce. And me, Stephen Pierce. Another hour or so of unadulterated geekery, horror, sci-fi, hilarity off-the-cuff remarks, maybe even some controversy. So, Steve, what have you been up to this week? What have you been reading? Still been
1: reading Cataclysm, the Batman story that leads into Batman No Man's Land with the earthquake.
0: Earthquake. Yes. Same thing's been happening in California this week. So, go on. What, what happens?
1: Well, the one I literally read before coming down at uh, Blackgate Prison. Yeah. Being affected by the um, earthquake, one of the things I found kind of disturbing in there is some of the cells broke open, so people
0: like Batman villains like the KGB beast escaped. He was the KGB assassin that was. He was a little bit like um, Eggshot. Yes.
1: Whereas others just drowned in their cells,
0: presumably never to be heard of again. Yeah. Ah, oh, did we lose any good ones? No, it wasn't Arkham, so... Okay, so be, these were just the the felons, not yeah. the lunatics. These these were just kind of the run-of-the-mill. So maybe maybe the Eraser. Yeah. No, he'd be more Arkham. Why? He was a gangster. But doesn't he rub out crime? No, he doesn't. You see, there was this thing years ago. I remembered a, a Batman cover. Where this guy dressed, I could be not, as a pencil was rubbing Batman out. Of course, rubbing somebody out is gangster yeah. parlance for, for shooting them, killing them, getting rid of them, making them sleep with a fish eat. And it was the eraser who tried to rub out Batman. And I thought, did I just imagine that? And I remember telling telling you about yeah. it and... Then we found um, a reprint, uh, which had the cover, and and it was indeed, as I had described it, but that incident never happened in the comic. He was a one-off loser of a villain who, as I say, dressed like a pencil in 1966 or 67. But he did make a bit of an appearance in the Lego Batman movie.
1: Along with the Condiment
0: King. Condiment King from the animated series. Who threw ketchup and mustard at people. Yeah. So, how are you getting on with um, Cataclysm?
1: I'm halfway
0: through so far.
1: Then I'm going to go straight into No Man's Land now makes sense, with the having actually seen how the earthquake took place. Yeah. Then I don't know where to go from
0: there. Where do I go from here? Right. I've lost my glasses.
1: Right. Oh so. <laughs> yeah.
0: That's the problem with being farsighted. If my glasses were the other side of the house, yeah. I could see them, whether there was a wall there or not. But if they're right in front of me, it's always a case yeah. of, where are my glasses? This is why I don't push them on top yeah. of my head, because I'd be, even then, looking for them everywhere, not realising that I had them. So what have you been reading then? It's been a Kevin Smith kind of week. I've read two Kevin Smith novels. Um, I was... Talking before... Did I mention it last week about Cacophony? I think so. Um, by Kevin Smith. Yeah. The director of Clerks and Mole Rats and Clerks 2 and Jane, Silent Bob and all those. And he followed Cacophony, which is the story of... A new villain. Okay. Cacophony is. The meaning of cacophony is a lot of noise. Yeah. A lot of noise. And he's he's a very dangerous villain, but he's got this little quirk where he utters the noise that he's about to make. Um, For example, if he was. If he had a gun on you, he'd say bang. Then shoot you. Oh, okay. If he was standing behind you with a knife, yeah. and you heard him make a ripping sound, he would slit your throat from side to side. And yeah. um, he, he was very much like the kind of eraser-type villain, yeah. you know, one-shot wonder. But... Kevin Smith brought him back in a second story called Widening Gaia, and that is a far better story. Um, there are flashbacks to Batman's earlier career with Dick Grayson as Robin. With yeah, we we, we reference uh, the second and third Robins. Yeah. Um, He uses an array of different Batmobiles during the story from the 1950s to the one that Adam West had, to the Michael Keaton one, bring back Silver St. Cloud, a love interest of his from the early 80s. And there's a new hero, a new vigilante, prowling Gotham trying to help Batman out. Okay. And uh, what I didn't know when I bought it was that it was sneakily a two-parter, and he hasn't even written the second part yet. And this book's been out for nine years. And where it's left, I want to read that now. You know, don't be doing your podcast, son. Forget your, your, your your new Jay and Silent Bob movie. I want Widening Gaia Part 2, please Because you're not leaving it like that I'm fully invested in this And I want my conclusion, damn it
1: Maybe you've got a conclusion Maybe it's up Do, to do your... it,
0: Kevin, before you have another heart attack Or worse, before I do It might be up
1: to your imagination
0: I, No, 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 yeah. no, no It can't be left to my imagination Because you'll probably want to borrow this and I know, as soon as you finish, it'll be, Dad, Dad, where's part two, Dad, Dad, and you'll have that ridiculous, Stephen, want to go boom, boom, face. <laughs> want to go boom, here we go, here we go, with a toilet humor. Speaking of toilet humor, yeah. there's an interesting thing that I, there, there have been several interesting things uh have drawn my attention this week and and the first one is is kind of baffling uh a few weeks ago yeah um I showed you the first of the Carry On film yes and it was Carry On Sergeant yeah um a 1950s comedy where a bunch of likely lads Go and do their national service. It featured William Hartnell as the uh, drill sergeant who put them through their paces. And it was just a very mild army comedy. Um, Pretty relevant to its time, because after the Second World War, for a span of years, every eligible male had to sign up for national service. And I think it was a couple of years. Okay. And this is set in that time with familiar faces back then of Bob Monkhouse, Kenneth Connor, um, Kenneth Williams, Hattie Jakes. And I don't think that they'd ever meant to have a whole range no. of these films. But they followed that up with Carry On Nurse, which was a comedy set in a hospital. You haven't seen that one yet. And through the remainder of the 50s, all through the 60s, and into the 70s, a series of 30 or more of these films were made. Now, they were, they were comedies. They got the A certificate yeah. back then, which was the the fifties, sixties, and seventies equivalent of the EG certificate that you get these days. They were rude. They were crude. There was a bit of toilet humour involved. Um, they were very much a product of their time. Yeah. Um, they were, I think, calling them sex comedies would be a bit strong. They were the equivalent of those risque postcards that you used yeah. to be able to use. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, there was no nudity. It was always implied that someone like Sid James playing, you know, uh, a lecherous older man would be getting uh, his way with the young and amorous Barbara Windsor yeah and you know it was all based on situations like um, that there was nothing really uh, there was nothing shown and of course you know the 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 sex-addled older guy would never get his own way anyway yeah. and they ran this series, as I say, for about thirty movies. Um, off the top of my head, there was Carry On Doctor, again set in a at a hospital. Carry On Cabbie, Carry On Constable, yeah. Carry On Camping, Carry On Abroad. Uh, speaking of toilet humour, there was Carry On at Your Convenience, which is actually. In a toilet factory, okay. uh, carry on screaming was their jokey horror movie, and they went on and on and on. Carry on up the Kyber, of set during the the uh, the Iber Pass, you know, to sort of the the war against the Afghans yeah. in the uh, early part of the last century, and they just went on, and on. They were very cheaply made. I believe that the the most most money they ever spent making one yeah. was 350000 You know, it wasn't even a fortune no. by, by those days' standards. And they had a stock company. Just like Hammer Films, you saw the same people, you know, Peter Cushing, Christopher Lee, as the likeable but grumpy bad. Yeah. And you had Michael Ripper. there would be the, the same sort of travelling stock of people. Same with Carry On. And anyway, the the more it, it went on, the thinner the script. And in the end, they stopped. 80s and uh, we had alternative humour, which the alternative was that it, it was okay. largely political humour. And they frizzled away along with pretty much. Now, what I didn't know was that the rights to these films has been up in the air for a long time, and one of our TV channels, ITV, yeah, who released the DVDs, um, claimed they had rights. I, I don't know under what context, but a court, coup, a court has ruled that they they don't actually have the rights. Um, One of the original producers, or a descendant, now holds them. And the plan is, according to the papers, they are going to start selling carry-on memorabilia and merchandising with the hope of making a new carry-on film. It's not going to work. That's what I
1: thought. Because... You can say the same with horror movies. As you could say with... Excuse me, that was my drink coaster hitting the desk. As you can say with a lot of things these days. People don't want to be... They don't want suggestions they want to actually see. From what I saw, that first Carry On movie... Yeah. It seems to be targeted more as a family audience. Yeah. For everyone, really. Whereas, how it would end up being now, would be more your fifteen certificate.
0: And I it don't work. They would have to change them considerably. Um, because times have changed. Yeah. Considerably. If you've got somebody of Sid James's then age, and we're talking about somebody in his mid-40s, 50s, chasing after a young nubile girl in her late teens, early 20s, these days people will be thinking, oh my God, he's a pedophile. It's it's not that much of a stretch. And I think that the, the taste for comedy has changed. I'm not saying that we're that much further advanced because some of what passes for comedy on TV,
1: but
0: I I don't, I don't know that we could still do Carry On films. I think they've been talking about doing these before, but uh, I don't think there's a market for them. The last one we did was Carry On Columbus, which was uh, kind of a, a Carry On take. Of the discovery of America by Columbus. And they lost money, and that was the one they spent three hundred and fifty thousand on. It has been called by some critics the worst British movie ever made. That's oh, saying something. <laughs> um, so I think the taste has changed, and because you know, back then you had carry-on sergeant yeah. relating to national service. Um, carry-on nurse and carry-on doctor because, you know, the whole doctors and nurses thing has been going on for ages um, as as uh, a launchpad for comedy. You had carry-on abroad because in the early to mid-60s, you know, Britons were starting to go abroad yeah. on cruises and stuff like that. And, you know, foreign holidays started to become a thing. Um, but these days, I mean, 2019. What hook is there to bring all this together, being that most of those original actors have actually passed away as well?
1: But it's also walking a very fine tightrope.
0: Yeah, because
1: it's either going to be considered way too tame to be entertaining or funny. Yes. Or it's going to be way too offensive and that will get other movies into trouble.
0: That's an interesting point Um, because I bought a box of these carry-on films because this is before we we heard this news because um, with political correctness these days, I felt it's only a matter of time before somebody takes a swing at these and they are withdrawn um, or they're cut. You know, to quantify this, we live in a day where the 4K release of Toy Story will be cut. Toy Story 2, I'm sorry. It's where the um, old prospector, Stinky Pete, it's in the outtakes at the end. Yeah. They always show you the outtakes kind of thing. And he's in a box with two Barbies, and he's obviously being lecherous and, you know, he's he's lined them up, you know. And when somebody asks him what he's doing, he's, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm giving him acting lessons. And,. Disney Pixar are cutting that scene okay. because of the Me Too movement. It's incredible, isn't it?
1: That it is. That's surprising, but also it
0: really isn't.
1: I guess. So,
0: you know, in, in a time when that can happen. When you, think, when you say with How long before carry-on films become offensive?
1: You remember oh, when Disney were doing their shorts? Yes. You had your three Caballeros, Salados Amigos, yeah. uh Make My Music, yeah. Melody Time. That's right. In the I think it was only released in the UK. They released last year the complete box set. They're supposed to have every movie on Blu ray and so forth. But the only thing was some of them were on DVD because they were considered offensive. In Three Caballeros and Saludos Amigos.
0: Three Caballeros and Saludos Amigos were offensive. Because... On what what grounds? Because the, the scene, I don't know if you remember it, you've
1: got Donald Duck and the three birds. Yeah. And they're on a flying carpet or something. Yeah, yeah. And they're going around South America. Yeah. And Donald sees a belly dancer. Yeah. And Donald starts to go red. Yeah. Yeah, that's not offensive. What they've actually done oh, is yeah. the only way you can actually get a hold of that on Blu-ray now yeah. is to be part of the Disney Movie Club and to get the Blu-ray that version because they've stated that it's never having another release.
0: See... Those, those films, they, they were interesting because it was, I believe, 1940, 42? Yeah. Um, Disney weren't making that many films because of the Second World War, but they still needed to keep films in production. And they came to a deal with the South American government who specifically had asked them to go over and were more than happy to be as hospitable as possible and cooperative. The two films, Salados Amigos and um, Three Caballeros, aren't actually cartoons. No. They have animation, but they're films where they're more of a travelogue to try and get people to go to South America yeah. and experience the culture. And they have, you know, their cartoon characters interact with live action footage that the Disney company shot there for the South American government. Just like
1: the other one is Make My Music. Where is it? The McCoys?
0: Oh, the Hatfields and McCoys. That's banned. That's a uh, long running and very famous feud between two families. And that's been banned? Not on the DVD I've got. But then again, Disney appear to me to be way oversensitive these days. Yeah. But in other ways,. They're not. I mean, the the um, censoring of Toy Story Two is patently ridiculous. Yes. Yeah. But they made an announcement this week, uh, um, which is casting news. Which <laughs> the internet lost its damn mind. Yeah. And I I have to admit. You know, for the record, I wasn't that happy with it myself. Now, they're going to make a live-action version of The Little Mermaid. And they've cast a uh, Halle Bailey as Ariel. Right? Yeah. I was not happy. Yeah. For a completely different okay. reason than anybody else. And I will I will stick up my hand and I will admit. Did you read it as Halle Berry? I did read it as Halle Berry, day. yes. Because I thought, you know, the internet is melting down because Halle Berry is going to be airy on. I thought the ridiculous. Yeah. She's too old. And it was only tonight when yeah. I was just fact checking. Or this very podcast on the computer, and I thought, Mike, God, Halle Berry looks young in that photo. Is it a daughter? And then I thought, Halle Bailey. Bailey. Oh, my objections have now been withdrawn, and I feel like an idiot. I feel quite plum. Now, the internet did not lose its mind because they thought that Halle Berry was going to be a young mermaid, little mermaid. Um, what they are saying is... It's not right, because her hair's not going to be red. Oh, boy. Now, I'm calling bullshit on yeah. that because it's rated.
1: And- yeah.
0: Um... It's not the hair colour. Red hair is associated, naturally enough, with very pale skin. Yeah. That's why people who have ginger hair tend to burn to a crisp. It's not because they're vampires, it's because. And apparently, according to the internet, and these people who know on the internet, internet, all the internet is full of interactions, if they're not. experts on on mermaids then they're experts on global warming, uh, politics, yeah. anything that you may care to turn your mind on. There's an expert yeah. on it who basically is a basement dweller. So, apparently we can't have black mermaids.
1: Why? Despite the fact that there are black mermaids in the Little Mermaid animated movie anyway. Yeah. And despite the fact that if you freeze it at the right time, you see Arnold Goofy and Mickey Mouse as a mermaid.
0: Yeah. Apparently there's nothing wrong with mermice and (laughs) murducks. And murwhire whatever the hell (laughs) he is. But they are not happy that Halle Bailey, who is not white, but is white, has been cast as Ariel.
1: The other thing I would...
0: Does it really matter?
1: All I would ask with the Little Mermaid movie yeah. is don't follow what they've already done like they're doing with the Lion King. Because otherwise all you're doing is remaking the
0: exact same movie. The people who watch they're to going s- to though, aren't they? You know they're going yeah. to because that's the story as told by now, is it Hans Christian Andersen, or is it the Brothers Grimm? I've got a feeling it was the Brothers yeah. Grimm, wasn't it? Because it's quite a, a nasty yeah. story. But The Little Mermaid, the original, was dodgy as it was. I am not gonna be watching this in How my am- because I'm quite happy with the animated version. Just like I'm happy with the animated version of uh, The Lion King, so I won't be bothering with that. I will not be bothering with Aladdin. Mulan. I will certainly not be bothering with Aladdin. Lady in the Tramp. I bothered with the Jungle Book because you bought it on Blu-ray and insisted I watch I bothered with Beauty and the Beast yeah. because we watched it on satellite uh, at Christmas and I still thought it was pointless because it was a shot-for-shot remake of the cartoon movie and I just went back to reading my book. The songs were the same. So I the won't be hand. seeing this. You have Christopher Robin. Oh, that's not a remake. No. Not a remake. I kind of It's kind of a follow-on. Okay, how would you follow on The Little Mermaid?
1: Well they already did in the animated
0: they did an animated series of them. Direct to to DVD, which means that they they're not worth watching. Okay. The only direct to DVD movie sequel that Disney ever made that was worth watching was Return to Neverland. That had a Yeah, but it was directed dvd It was just that it was so popular that they gave it a cinema yeah. release. So there. And I have a question, right? If the internet lost its collective mind because um, The Little Mermaid, Ariel, is now going to be black, did they complain... About Alita Battle Angel, based on a Japanese manga comic, not being Japanese. Did they complain when Scarlett Johansson was cast in Ghost in the Shell, based on a Japanese oh,
1: they Oh, they did. Ghost in the Shell, I know that. Did
0: they? Yeah, okay. because
1: I remember getting really annoyed because I loved that movie. And I um, just not seeing Battle Angel.
0: What about the Fu Manchu movies? which not only would they not be made now because they characterise all um, Chinese people basically as being evil, yeah. um, but they most certainly would not be made with the white actors who played Fu Manchu in the past, like Boris Karloff, Christopher Lee, and, in a comedy, Peter Salas. Peter Yeah, Peter Sellers played him in a comedy. But do you know who the last person to portray Fu Manchu was, and where the cloth I don't know. You don't? No. Hang your head in shame. Okay. A few weeks ago, I showed you on Blu-ray Grindhouse. Yeah. Oh, Nicolas Cage! Nicolas Cage played Fu Manchu, In Rob Zombie's Werewolf Women of the SS trailer. Trailer for a film that was never made. Which should be made. Which should be made. I don't to say that. Now then, let's carry on a little bit about this whole uh, racism and comedy thing. Okay. Years ago, I've, I've told you about this. We were talking last week when, uh, about comedy and how it's changed. Yeah. Just you and me chatting, not on a mic, we were just chatting. And we were, I was telling you about um, old British comedies that were around when I was a pre Like, on the buses, amorous adventures of two likeable, cocky yeah. busmen in London. Um, Please, sir, about um, a kind of a gawky teacher, very timid, in charge of the worst class in the school. I think it would seem Penny Spencer, who was the the amorous young teenage uh, who was after the teacher in that comedy, um, popped up in the background of a UFO episode, Okay, and... Then the, how these would not be made today, because, you know, teachers and amorous pupils, hardly the thing for comedy. There was one called Love Thy Neighbor." Oh, no, no, no. And we were talking about it last Sunday, I think. And just for the sheer heck of it. Yeah. We went online, and we searched YouTube, and a full episode popped up. Now, the setup for Love Thy Neighbour was um, a street in Manchester. I, I believe it was Manchester, and I'm wrong. I do apologise to unions everywhere. You had your terraced houses, and there were... There was Eddie Booth and his wife. Eddie was a, a British, sort of working class uh, guy who was fiercely racist. Yeah. And you had a black couple move in next door. So far, it doesn't sound like a comedy. Um, but it was perfectly acceptable to go out at about 8 or 8.30 on a Monday. And of course, the the trick to it, what made it, I suppose the word should be acceptable for its time, there's the codicil, okay. for its time, was that every week, Eddie would be kind of hoist by his own petard, he would be humiliated as a result of his own blind racism and the neighbors next door who are a lovely couple yeah. would always come out on top. Okay. And he would be made to look like the idiot he was. Yes. And we we played this episode, and I've got to say that I haven't watched Love Thy Neighbor since it was first broadcast, so I haven't seen one in well since about 74 when yeah. I was about 14. Um I've often thought that people are too sensitive. It was only a comedy. And I retract that. I watched Love Thy Neighbor, and I felt embarrassed. uh, Really embarrassed that I have lived in an age when people found that not only acceptable, but funny.
1: But that, that was the thing that got me with it, is that was supposed to be a comedy.
0: Yeah. And
1: I've seen comedies, you know, with offensive humour and the rest of it. Everyone has. Yeah. But that one, there wasn't any
0: humour at all. It was just bad. There was no charm to it. It was clumsy. It was offensive. It was in. Imp- Embarrassing to watch. Yeah. I honestly just cringed. And the worst thing of all, other than the level of script writing, which was truly atrocious, was the level of acting.
1: Because, you know when you have offensive humour in shows or movies... You need someone with a certain kind of charisma to be able to pull it off. Yeah. These no one in that show had any acting ability at all.
0: No, no. It was possibly a low point in in British humour.
1: I'd go as far as to say if people are complaining about the was it carry on Columbus? Yes. As the worst thing Britain's ever made, they should watch Love Thy Neighbour, that's far
0: worse. I think there was actually a Love Thy Neighbour film made and this made surprise you because in the seventies a lot of spin-offs of popular British comedies and this was one of them yeah. were were made into films. And I'm not sure if Love Thy Neighbour was or wasn't. Mm. Um, carry on talking. Yeah. I'm going to just check out online whether it actually was or not.
1: But why would they want to make it into a movie? Because all the humour in it was awful.
0: Um... Oh, my God. Yes, it was. It was made into a film. Um, and the synopsis here is... A white working-class socialist has his world turned upside down when an educated black man moves in next door. I had a suspicion that it was... made, And you are... Going to be stunned when I tell you who I think was responsible for this film. Okay. Um, the on the buses that the uh, the comedy um, that I told you about spun off two films. Um, the production company who who made them, yeah, was actually. Are you ready? Yeah. Hammer Films. No. Hammer made made some TV-based comedies. And I think they may have been responsible for Love Thy Neighbor. I I have a book of Hammer Films. Yeah. And it's, it's up there somewhere. But I'm not going to go looking for it now no. because all you hear is a lot of Banging, clattering, books falling on my head, and me possibly swearing. Right. Moving on. We need to be a bit clever here. Okay. Spider Man, Far From Home, opened on Tuesday. This is Saturday. We need to review this without spoiling it for the audience.
1: The only way you can actually go about it is if you're a comic book fan or a fan of superhero movies, just go and watch it.
0: Okay. Very eloquent. Yeah. Very good. <laughs> is that all we are saying about it? I don't know. No, no. Okay. Um, Spider-Man. I was... Spider-Man films... I found, are either very good, yeah. I wouldn't say all very bad, I'd say they're either very good, or they are missed opportunities.
1: The thing I would say
0: with this, and it isn't
1: spoiler, is we've had Tobey Maguire as Spider-Man, yes. Andrew Garfield as Spider-Man, and yes. Tom Holland. Tobey Maguire's portrayal of Peter Parker was fantastic. Agreed. But his Spider-Man performance, as much as I loved that first movie, he wasn't
0: cocky enough. It was a little bit muted, you're right. He
1: seemed to be... He was a superhero. But he seemed to be a bit too much more kind of Superman-style superhero. You know, he was too... Boy scout Okay. Andrew Garfield was by far the worst. The Amazing
0: Spider-Man yes. and Amazing Spider-Man 2.
1: Was by far the worst Peter Parker we've seen. Because he was cocky as Peter Parker. And Peter Parker is not cocky. He's supposed to be, you know, quite muted. But as Spider-Man, he's cocky.
0: This comes from the very mouth that hailed The Amazing Spider Man two, 2 as being the best Spider Man film he had ever seen. Until I pointed it out to him where it had gone
1: all wrong. To be fair, it had some of the best Spider Man special effects. Okay. In it. Carry um, on with your point. Whereas his portrayal of Spider Man was perfect. Tom right. Holland nails all of it. He doesn't step... He doesn't do a step wrong at all. Agreed.
0: <clears throat> when we went to see Spider-Man, the first Spider-Man film, um, I was inspired to come home and Reread all those wonderful Stan Lee and Steve Ditko stories um, from my childhood, and actually I did because those Marvel essentials, which were reprints yeah. entire runs, became um, available, and I really enjoyed them. The that first Spider Man film just evoked the early Lee Ditko. Twenty, I think, twenty four maybe issues, and particularly when he's after the burglar, yeah, who's just shot Uncle Ben, um, and he's hanging upside down, and you know when he's on a water tower and stuff like that, it's just just took me straight back, and that's how I feel now. It's been, it's been what. 19 years later, 18, 19 years later, and having watched Spider-Man Far From Home, I really feel the urge to go back and reread those essential Spider-Man stories from the 60s. Because one of my two favourite Spider-Man villains growing up were Electro and Mysterio. Mysterio first, I would say, because he had this outlandish costume of this domed head, um, large cloak, which yeah. seemed to be, you know, like a really heavy thing, and his body, too, he'd be standing in this mist, and it, it was just really, really fantastic. Of course, his magic powers were all the result of his being a hollywood special effects guy yeah. who wanted to make a name for himself by becoming a, a superhero and covering up for the crimes that he was committing by framing Spider Man for them. Because he had his old Spider Man suit with you know suckers on the hands and feet so a guard at night might you know who who just interrupted a heist would see him ittering up the side of a yeah. building and think, oh my god, it's Spider-Man. And uh, he would get the blame. And in later issues, uh, he, he popped up again. There was an incident where he posed as a psychiatrist yeah. and used his special effects out of the costume now to um, convince Spider-Man that he was going nuts and was a danger. And would feel much better if he unmasked himself, which he almost did. Okay. And then he used his special effects skills to convince Spider-Man that uh, Spider-Man had been miniaturized and dropped into a tabletop model of an amusement park. Yeah. None of that was true. But there are, apart from the psychiatrist stories, this film. Gets Mysterio dead right. Yeah. Absolutely nails Mysterio in a way that they've done, they've seldom managed before. See, the Green Goblin, I can understand why they wouldn't have the Green Goblin's traditional costume because you can draw him and on the comic book page he looks fine, but you put a stuntman or an actor in green tights. Little purple uh, leotard with a jaunty hat and itty boots, and you are just going to point and laugh at the screen.
1: I still think,
0: though, that with the Green Goblin,
1: they should have had some purple on him somewhere, even I mean, if it's so just kind of armor.
0: He, he just tended to me to look like something out of the Power Rangers. Yeah. Dr. Octopus, they got right. Ro- Dead right. Yeah. In Spider-Man 3, the Sandman yeah. absolutely nailed the Sandman. That was Flint Marco yeah. as far as I was concerned. Didn't need any more villains. Amazing Spider-Man. Uh, I suppose the lizard was okay but he didn't quite look like his normal self. No. He looked more like Killer Croc. Yes, he did look more like Killer Croc. And um, who do we have in the um, uh, Amazing Spider-Man 2? Electro. Oh. Electro is supposed to have a green bodysuit with yellow lightning on it and that five-pointed lightning mask, which in real life wouldn't work because he'd stab himself in the chest every time he looked down. But having him just be charged with electricity and his skin blue I mean, he kind of looked like a glowy smurf.
1: What they seem to have done now is like his... You know his costume, his mask? It's like he's been burnt onto his face.
0: Oh, right, okay, that might work. So it's
1: it's a bit smaller than it used to be. Yeah. But it works. Whereas just being blue doesn't.
0: Where do you think the Marvel... Universe and Spider Man in particular should go next. I've seen an internet rumor which I haven't seen substantiated in any way saying Secret Wars, but I can't see that happening. Which villain would you like to see? Spider Man villain, Spider Man villain. Who would you like to see him go against next?
1: I would actually like
0: to see him go up against Craven. Craven the Hunter. And who would you have play Craven? Oh. He's fully on the spot again. It's what I do.
1: It would have been Randy Savage.
0: When Macho Man Randy Savage, the WWE wrestler, played um, Bonesaw McGraw. Bonesaw is ready! In the first Spider-Man film, I I kept thinking, he should be Kraven. He should be Kraven. Who's um, a Russian, well, hunter. He's defeated every wild animal imaginable, and he, in the comics, comes to New York looking for Spider-Man as his ultimate prey. I
1: can't actually think of anyone to play Kraven.
0: who'd be actually big enough to play him. There's Dwayne Johnson, but... He's going to be Black Adam. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is... It has is, to be somebody from the WWE. Can't be Batista, because... No.
1: Did take this thing?
0: No. Have you seen the shape he's in today? Yeah. No. Oh. I don't know. Anyway. Who would you have? Um... A villain? Yeah. Shh. <sighs> Ooh um, I wouldn't mind Electro done properly. I would like a better Green Goblin. I would like them to start introducing Norman Osborne. Yes. Um perhaps the way to go next is uh those stories where J. Jonah Jameson yeah. would have a scientist, possibly Norman Osborn in the films, um, developed these robots to go after him so he could unmask him on TV Actually, and get the exclusive.
1: There's been so many in the Marvel Universe,
0: yeah. so many fight
1: scenes and all the rest of it, You know, with people like Iron Man, for example. Yeah. I think the best way to do a Green Goblin costume and keep it to the kind of... Colours faithful to the comet. Yes. Is to have an Iron Man style green goblet
0: costume. There would have to be green and would have to be purple. Would he have to wear the jaunty floppy hat? Yes. Okay. Um, maybe it's time, because we're in the Marvel universe now, Yeah. to bring in Dr. Octopus. Yes. But you need to. I would like it if they.
1: Kind of like they did in the Spider Man video game. Yeah. Although you know
0: he's going to be Doc Ock. Yeah.
1: Have him build him up before he becomes.
0: So Doc introduce Ock. Dr. Otto Octavius yeah. in the next film and then have Dr. Octopus in yeah. the film after. Because
1: what I loved that they did with Mysterio. Yeah. He is by far one of the best realised villains we've ever seen on screen.
0: I would go so far as to say it's... We've seen Jake Gyllenhaal in quite a few movies. Yes. This, I think, is one of the best performances I've seen him give. He is a very, very fine actor. He was, at one point, somebody that I would have liked to have seen the, play the Joker in yeah. Batman
1: He has the face. But
0: there's a pivotal scene in this, and this is spoiler-free, where his face just changes. Yeah. And that's the OMG moment. Yeah. When everything was going to change. But it just struck me, and I made a note of this earlier, just going back, very quickly to our recasting um, uh, ethnic, you know, ethnic recasting in, in, in um, Hollywood movies. Nobody has complained that MJ is black, no. where she was a white redhead in the comic.
1: Yeah, I
0: agree. Okay. Ned Leeds is Asian. Yeah, And the traditionally all-American and white until the ultimate graphic novel um, Nick Fury is possibly the coolest black dude who ever had walked on screen thanks to Samuel L. Jackson And also Flash Thompson is now Indian Yeah, I thought he was Italian-American No Okay um, but the point. The point with that was, yeah,
1: uh, all these characters that have come in,
0: and they've done a great job doing. it. They've done a great job, which it. proves our point. Like, yeah, we can have Black Mermaid. Thank yes. you. Give the best person for yeah. the job. Exactly. Their job. Yeah. As long as they can do the job, fine. Yeah. Right, we've got time for one more feature, and we're going to go wandering into Cult Corner. Okay. Over the past several weeks, I have shown you a series of films that were around when I was growing up. They made four of them. They started out credibly, and they ended up Incredibly. incredibly... Uh, about as far fetched as you can get, possibly preempting fast series yeah. movies. Um, we're talking about the Airport film, yeah. a staple of the 70s. Now, to recap for anybody who hasn't seen these movies, Airport was made in 1970, had an all star Hollywood cast. It was based in an airport, it was based on um, a book called Airport yeah. by Arthur Haley. There was a bomber on board a plane. Um, planes couldn't land because there was a plane blocking the, 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 the runway that they couldn't move. And it was all the personal lives of the pilots and the stewardesses. And everybody seemed to be having an affair with just about everybody yeah. else. Who and Arthur Haley um, books, I'm told. And that was that. Airport 1975 came along and you had Charlton Heston and Karen Black. Uh, basically, a Boeing 747 yeah. was struck by a light aircraft, wiping out the flight crew, and Charlton Heston had to land it after being lowered by a rope from one plane to the other. That's great. And heroically, heroically yeah. taking charge. Airport 1977... So another Boeing 747. How did we ever su- yeah. survive our flight <laughs> on the hills? Um Crash into the Bermuda Triangle and be trapped underwater. But there wasn't much of a depth. Though. No. It, 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 they were quite well, really, because they landed pretty much on the shoreline. Yeah. And finally, as if that wasn't enough, Airport 1979. A Concorde. Yes. Where the Concorde is basically doing aerobatics, oh, avoiding a keep-seeking missile. That is way too fast. You know, it, it is a bit like the Fast and Furious, where they start off street fight, street racing. Not street fighting, I'm sorry, that's West Side Story. Um, street racing, they go on to pull some amazing heists. Yeah. And the last we saw them, they were out running a nuclear sub in the polar ice cap. With missiles. With missiles, yes. So, what did you make of these films? I loved the first three.
1: Airport, Airport 75 and 77. Yeah. Because the first one, it was, you are seeing how an airport worked. In some respects, the disaster element was secondary to the story.
0: Yeah. There were strong characters, yeah. The
1: sequel was better than the first because it was not an out disaster movie. Yes. The third one was crashing into the Bermuda Triangle. Yeah. I don't know. I just
0: liked it. The fact yeah. It was part of a terrorist plot, wasn't it? Yeah. And then they flew low and then they crashed and then the terrorists got killed. It was Christopher Lee and
1: I like movies for some reason they're underwater. Yeah, but the last one, it seemed really dialed in because there's one scene where they're nose diving in the Concorde. They have
0: jets after them. They open the window to fire <laughs> out a flare gun, and I was thinking, oh yes to divert the heat seeking. I'll just wind down the window. I'm yeah, you know, I'm going at Mach two. was thinking, aren't are these windows show sealed. It wasn't even an electric window, was
1: it? Ooh. It's like, there we go, shoot it now, bang.
0: But he you had a strong beginning with the first. Yeah. The second was the real beginning of the franchise, I think, where they would bring in the top Hollywood names of the day. And you know, by by the time seventy nine was gone. Oh
1: and really not good. And the fact that, you know, they were advertising in the on the back of the box and on the post on the post that was on the menu screen. Yeah. How they were gonna they were outrunning this heat seeking missile. Yes. That scene lasts a total of three minutes. There's other things that happen, but the actual what they're saying is happening and what the entire movie's about
0: it's actually very very short. It strikes me that the closest we've seen, yeah, to an airport movie, yeah, in recent years, is actually snakes on a plane.
1: Yeah,
0: it really is. <laughs> um, there there were things that you know, you'd you'd have to have. That's the staples of every um, airport movie. There had to be a very sickly child on board who had to be at the next airport along or they would die. Yes. And sometimes a vital organ that was going to be transplanted to them was was on the plane with them. But there'd always be a sickly child. Musical instrument. And there'd always be. Like a singing nun or uh, somebody with a piano, or there'd always be somebody to bolster yeah. people's spirits. And the uh, flight attendant—I don't think we call them stewardesses anymore. No, I think they um, they, they, they would always have, you know, something going yes. on with a member of the flight crew. Yeah. So, yeah. Wonder any flight ever actually lands. Anyway, we've been talking now for over an hour, so I think it's time that we let people go about their normal lives. So we will say good night. It's a good night from me, Robin Pierce. And see you next time from me, Stephen Pierce. How are you gonna see them? They can only hear us. I'll hear me next time. <laughs> I oh, don't good. know. Keep watching the skies, people. Bye.